Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. You did it. You made it to the number one spot. Nick Dacos is the player I believe is the most relevant for AFL fantasy, super coach, and dream team players in 2024. But why? We are going to talk about that on today's episode as we wrap up the 50 most relevant for 2024. Joining me on this episode as he has right throughout this series and ever since the coaches panel begun, it's fellow co-founder, the winner of Dream Team from the year 2020, and one of my favorite people to talk fantasy footy with. Ritz, how are you, mate? Gosh, Nick Takos feels like he's going to define a lot of seasons yet again in 2024. Yeah, and this shouldn't really come as a surprise to anyone. Yeah, This was always going to be Nick Dacos as number one. Whether you want him, whether you fade him, where are you going to jump on him? What format you're choosing to go with him? Is he top price? Is he not top price? This guy is going to be spoken about more than anyone else in the AFL over the next few weeks. There's no doubt about this. And probably for the whole season, yeah? Uh, absolutely. The fact is almost by putting him at number one, I'm making this statement. Not only do I think he's the most relevant player for fantasy footy, but almost barring any other player, you could fade a selection. But Dacos is someone that is really hard to go a season without. And I think if you're fading him early, you're hoping it doesn't burn you while you're starting him. You're banking on him flying out of the gate. So let's quickly look at this 2023 season, not to gloss over it, but rather we've got to spend the time on the conversation of start or upgrade Nick Dacos. If we look at his super coach season, he's delivered us a 117 seasonal average. Not bad for a second year breakout. 15 tons, a top score of 151s resulted in him being at a price point of 650k flat, while he's got a career high score of 163. While in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he's got an average of a 108.8. He's just over that million dollar mark in Dream Team. 18,000 skinny of that in AFL Fantasy at a 982k price tag. A top score last year was a 150. And there's also a career high score. So not a bad year. 14 tons for him across it. And Rids. It's crazy to say that a guy that hasn't even played 50 games of AFL has almost got every single accolade that a player could get. He's got the rising star. He's got an Anzac Day medal. He's already picked up all Australian honours. He's a premiership player. And if he probably didn't get injured late in the season, we're also talking about this player as the 2023 Brownlow medalist. It, it is a phenomenal ascension for a player that has played so little AFL. And I just want to highlight a line, a phrase that you just said. Not bad for a second-year breakout. <laughs> Wowee, MJ. Have we ever seen a second-year breakout like this ever? Uh, uh, not not in when you take positional scarcity into the mix. Not when you take all the factors in. Like, look at this year in detail just quickly. A 108.8 in AFL Fantasy. Of those 14 tons, 6 over 124, over 130, and that career-high 150. Just the two scores under 80 all year. One was that injured-slash-tagged Finn McGuinness game, which we'll get to. Don't worry about that. But ranked 12th in AFL Fantasy overall for averages. He's the number one defender 
are available to us by average. And he's got a better average than Connor Rosie, Caleb Sarong, and Christian Petrarca. While in Supercoach, that 117 is consisting of 15 tons. Bunch of them, 120, 130 plus scores. Ranked seventh overall in Supercoach by averages. He's got a better average than Jordan Dawson, Rowan Marshall, and Tom Liberatore, and is the number one player by average. It was simply a stunning year, Rids. Like, probably outside of two-thirds of a game against Hawthorne, which we'll get to, he had a faultless football season. Oh, it was just beautiful. And you know what? As a non-owner early days last year, I hated every minute of it, MJ, but I loved it at the same time. I can't tell you. We talk about it as a community, don't we? We talk about that observable thirst that DOS introduced, that little term. I tell you what, mate. This guy has it in spades. He actually goes home and rings his parents that someone didn't kick him or handball him the ball. He's that thirsty to have the ball always. And you could see him, him and Goulden, like unbelievable demand. No, they don't just demand. They actually work their butts off to get into and get it again and again and again and again in chains. It was crazy how good this guy is. And the good thing is, as you mentioned, it's not just a demand for the ball. It's when he gets it, he doesn't let his teammates down, which gives them that confidence to just to keep getting him the ball. If he's not winning the ball at the coalface in a clearance component, he's using that elite running and high football smarts to get a a link-up transition point score, getting that ball by hand, the distribution off, and then using that smarts by hand and by foot to set up his teammates, getting that ball deep inside forward 50. And the fact is, he's averaging for a guy that spent most of the year off half back and then pushing into the mids, almost a goal a game, which is just outlandish for a player to be able to do that. And we talk about this move into the midfield, Rids, where we start to think about what this might mean for us for 2024, is we did see him pick up more midfield time as the season went on. And in the 12 games last year that he attended a centre bounce attendance of 35% or more, he averaged a 107.5 in AFL Fantasy and a 112.4 in Supercoach. So not great, does include that tagged game from mid. Finn Day, uh, not Finn Dacos, Finn McGuinness, and an injury impact in that third quarter there, but it's there. I think the thing that gets people excited about him, and there's a lot that makes people want to consider Nick Dacos this year, is, is the mooting of him going into this midfield more predominantly and seeing players like a crisp fade out of this side. When he attended 65% of center bounces or more, he goes at a 116 average in AFL Fantasy and 121 in Supercoach. You take that positional scarcity of a defensive spot in there, and we're now looking at the number one player in the game, potentially. Yeah, but you, it's not really just the Finn McGuinness tag, okay? The last three games last year, he had Port, Carlton, and Hawthorne. Now, it was Willem Drew that went to him. It was Kernow that went to him the next week. It was then Finn. It's that, like the whole league and the coaches have decided about halfway through last year, hey, look, this guy can play a little bit of football. Maybe he can actually do a lot of damage to us. We might actually have to go and get someone to sit on him a little bit. So it's more a general league focus now. And that's where the interest in dynamics going to be when we enter this. But let's just, let's just look at those last three games. Please. I'm going to make an argument right now. 
they actually put a little bit of value on his price. This is ridiculous, yeah? I know he's highly priced and everything else, and we all look for a little bit of value, but he went under 100 for all three games across Supercoach and Dream Team. So there's your value. If you want value, there it is right there. And whether you think Finn plays and tags him, continues to tag him for the whole game and keeps him to 50, or whether you think, you know, that whatever happens, it doesn't matter. He gets off the leash, mate. With he, If Finn doesn't go to him in that last quarter, Dacos, because he's so angry at the rest of the game, is likely to score 70 points in that last quarter, yeah? A, a thousand so, percent. That's the dynamic about this is where is this going to go? Like, he's at a price tag. We can argue he's, it's actually value because of those last three games. He's highly owned across all the formats. He's yep. got a ceiling for days, mate. Like, I mean, I don't have to tell you. Yeah, you just read out all the stats. How many times is it 130 plus, 140 plus, 150 plus across all the formats? And then you mesh that up with that fixture, and I'm sure we'll break down it a little bit more, but Thursday nights, Friday nights, we've got early buys. He's going to be a VC loophole with some okay fixtures in that early days. Like, wow, we, what a decision for us own coaches, you know, early on. Do we start him? Don't we start him? Do we fade him? There's there's obvious risk involved no matter what you do, yeah? And so that's let's what makes chat him about so it. relevant in that space because if you start and the – things work for you, you're away. If you start and the variables that have got people concerned about starting him come, yes, you've got day costs, happy days, but you've certainly overpaid for the output you're getting. And then it's just the inverse of those two things. You mentioned that kind of last three games versus the first 17 games there, Rids. He goes at 115 in AFL Fantasy over those first 17 games and 123 in Supercoach, while the last three games, it's 73 in AFL Fantasy and 74 in Supercoach. And positively, he spent the whole offseason practicing and navigating, preparing for the tag. We'll get to that in a minute. Talk me through, Rids, the narrative of we're going to spend now two sides of the coin. And I know you've got some data for us and it'll be heavily weighted towards an AFL fantasy data point. And the reason for it is simply this. Um, with Supercoach, there is a number that the game must hit in totality that all of the scores add up to this one universal number. Supercoach has been like that since day dot, whereas AFL fantasy, it's just raw data that gets put out. And so in a moment, as Rids walks us through some data points, both the positive and the concerning points that we might be looking for Dacos, it's going to be heavily pure AFL fantasy. Why? Because it's just the raw data and not the weighting that can be attached to different elements. That yeah, but there's a flip a side to that, MJ. Yes. I'm going to be throwing the stats out there, but there's going to be a narrative to go with the stats. Okay. That narrative is usable across all the formats. This is his scope for improvement. Where can he get more ball in hand? How can he be more efficient? How can he score more across? Where is he going to find those extra avenues to score? The narrative tells you that, okay? The stats will give me a little bit of backup to say, hey, there is possibilities here. And, I mean, we're going to go through it in spades soon, so I won't give away too much. But you think about it just for general, okay? Tay Adams has now moved to Sydney. 
mm. straight away, there's a chunk of points, or if we want to call it market share here of Collingwood's points, that has walked out the door. We're already hearing rumours of a Jack Crisp, for instance, going back in the back line. So what does that mean for stoppage points, for transition points, for the pies midfield and the market share of the two? I'm going to go into those. I'm going to cover those stats. I'm going to tell everyone about that. But that's where he's going to improve or likely improve or what does he need to? If you're not keen on him, this is why you're going to fade him is because of these little obstacles as we throw out there. So that's what I'm sort of trying to get across to everyone today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what's the pathway to justifying not starting Nick Dacos? Let's spend the next five minutes or so looking at that. Is it the early buy? Is it the Finn McGuinness tag? Is it just the evolution of football? What for you is the justification points that if you've gone, I'm not starting Nick Dacos, that for you feels like it holds water for you or for someone listening to this episode or watching this episode to go, yep, that's why I'm choosing not to start, Nick. Okay, the magic number is the first thing I'm going to call out here. It's at its highest point at the start of the year. When people's prices go up and down and fluctuating, that magic number fluctuates with it. But it will never go higher than what it is right now due to the salary cap. Okay, that's the first thing. So it's going to come down, which means the, the worthwhile average will go up to a point. Okay, of course, we're talking about the first defender and there's not great um, number two options right now that are right in that discussion. So, and that's for AF and DT, okay? Super coach, I know there's a couple like Cicely, Stewart and a few others that can match him. Sure. But we're picking hairs there, Rodeo. But that's the first point. Second point, he's match up round four, then the buy in round six, then round uh, sorry, round five, I can't count. And then round six against Port isn't the greatest, okay? So we got a game either side of his bye where it's dangerous, okay, for the owners of Dacos. Whether you think it's great, whether you think it's whatever, doesn't matter what the outcome is, but the fact is you don't have a best 18 to fall back on in round four, Okay. That's going to be really, really difficult because if Finn comes out and tags your top line, top priced defender to a 50, like he did last year. And let me tell you, I'll tell you a little secret, everyone. It's happening. Okay. Finn tagged him to what? Five disposals in three quarters last year, MJ. Yeah, Is that right? Two thirds, yeah, probably two thirds of the game. It was early in the third quarter that he and got. Guess injured. what? Hawthorne won that game. 30 odd points, yeah. And Collingwood were the premiers. Don't don't overthink this. I know that people are going to say, oh, yeah, but Finn may not be 20, best 22. Yep, great. That's not a problem. Guess what? He's going to be best 22 for round four. <laughs> I can absolutely guarantee that, right? Unless he's injured, 
he's going to be in that best 22 and he's going to have one job and one job only. And I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. And I know like last year we were fooled. Don't be fooled guys. Like this is going to happen. And you know, the worst case is if it doesn't happen and it doesn't eventuate, guess what? He's got to buy the week after where he's not playing anyway. And you've got two weeks to find out how you can get into him in round six. Yeah. So it's not a massive problem. One score. Round six, Port are historically hard to score against. There's also a guy called Willem Drew that we just discussed before that was sent to him in that late game last year before he got injured and kept him to 80 or 90 across the formats. So the fact is that's likely going to happen again because Willem Drew will start on the wing and the first thing he's going to do is find Nick Dacos. And that's all he's going to do for the whole game. So that's that's why you don't start him. Because you think you're going to be able to get him at a cheaper price point. Okay? And you think it's going to hurt people starting him and give you an advantage to find another player or another two or three options that are going to way outscore their price point. So... Does that explain it? Beautifully. Now, let's go to the exact opposite side of the coin. Because as you mentioned, high ownership across the format. Now, there's a portion of that that is just the casual coach that is just going, yeah, Nick Dacos was awesome last year. Select. Sure. But that does become a factor for us. What's the narrative pathway to starting him? Because I've heard a lot of people just break down that argument that you've done a really good job. And I, and I think it's right. The narrative and the mindset you've got to have to fade Nick Dacos. What's the narrative for starting Nick Dacos? Okay. The first thing's first, his schedule or fixture. Now I didn't say fixture. I said schedule or fixture. Round one, he plays on a Friday night game against the Swans. Now, it's an interesting one. People will go, oh, yeah, historically Ryan Clark goes to him. Guess what? There's no more Ryan Clark. Correct. So if someone's going to go to him, it's going to be a first-time experience of running with a guy like Dacos, who's an aerobic beast, okay? But that's a VC loophole option. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the second round. St. Kilda on a Thursday night, MJ. VC loophole? And a great matchup on paper, by the way. Next game, Brisbane on a Thursday night. Good recent past couple of scores, including the grand final and a good matchup. Okay, Thursday, yeah. That's the narrative. He's highly owned. I think there's a site out there at the moment, bit in that, that's on Twitter, that's trying to do the actual adjusted figures. Um, and at the moment, he's 70%, mate, like adjusted Officially, he's about 50% So owned. teams that are completed and, and moving, he'd be right up there with the most stone player in the game. Yeah, he will be. But oh, our, that's not called Harley Reid at the moment due sure. to the forward problems we've got, okay? But Nick Dacos is probably in the top five owned players right now. Yes, of course. That is danger, yeah, MJ. What did we say a couple of weeks ago? Vams and I did a little bit of our lessons learned thing from last year. Correct. If you're going to go unique, it doesn't matter whether that's the own or fade component of the unique. You need it to go your way. Otherwise, it really impacts and hurts you. Mm. Okay. So unique is 
I'm not owning Dacos if 70% of people are. I need it to form my way. Otherwise, um, and if my um, side part B and C, of those extra players I'm choosing instead of Dacos fail, I'm down the tube. My season is practically over, especially if Dacos is a popular VC option, as I suspect he will be, and he gets 150 that week because this guy's ceiling is incredible. There's a lot of parallels for me to a young Gary Ablett. Arguably, Nick was better than what Gary was in his first couple of years. In fact, he definitely is compared to how Gary's career started uh, as a small and high half forward. It's gosh, th- this guy. You feel nervous as a non-owner, don't you? Like, I, we're staying. Yeah, in but the, it's not just that. Yeah, let's let's go further. And I'm. I know I'm interrupting you, but I no, all, I have for ten years. It doesn't yeah. matter. I'm not going to stop now. Yeah. Um. So the fact is, the nervousness for me is you want to own Dacos because he is one hell of a player to watch and own. The way that he screams for the ball, the way that he busts to go forward and find that transition, like it's just incredible to watch. And as an owner, I don't know about you, mate, but over the last 20 years of me playing this game, if I own someone, guess what? When I'm watching a game of football, I am focused on that player and I'm seeing all of it. And I don't know how many times I said, you might remember 10 years ago with Brent Stanton when he was playing. And I used to say, he's the worst to own because he used to just seagull around the packs and not want the ball, but then sook when he doesn't get the ball type scenario. Dacos, you don't have that. (laughs) He's the one that you really want to own because it really just enjoyable aspects of this game that we play, that we spend way too much time on, that we have arguments with our significant other about because we are watching another game of football um, or we're talking about it in a chat. This is the guy that we want to own. So that's the part that I struggle with. If you don't own Dacos, how do you enjoy this game thoroughly? Because I tell you what, mate, it is a nervous, nervous sleep when you don't own him and he has a Thursday night game and you know there's 50% VC on him, Mm -hmm. especially against St Kilda. And you're playing potentially catch-up every single week. And as you mentioned, that ceiling, that consistency of being able to get 150s, 120s, 130s, it's a guy that's only entering into his third year of football. So on the bell curve of ascension to hitting his potential, he's still well and truly on the early ascension part. So we're not talking about a player like an Andrew Brayshaw or a Rory Laird that we've spent a couple of days on recently going, they're at the peak of their powers. And if they hold, they're a gun is, there is just through natural development, through the market share that you've mentioned, through the fact that the team has now spent the entire off-season, as has Nick himself, knowing that tags are going to come his way to be able to work his way through it. And then the fact is, as a fantasy owner, you sit there on Thursday night, Friday night, you watch him go 125, and you're going, okay, I've still got to find a way to get into Nick Dacos. And I need the two things you really need. One is an injury and you don't wish it, but that's secretly what you're hoping for. Or two, one of those two early games where he gets tagged to smithereens and goes under 80. Otherwise, the risk profile of 
trying to save $50,000 or $100,000 as opposed to just having him from the get-go and not worrying about it becomes an interesting seesaw of how you watch these first six games of football. There's another element of this as well, and I've got no doubt we'll discuss this as we go through, but we live in an age where everyone communicates through a digital means, whether it's uh, Twitter, whether it's by a chat, whether it's groups, whether it's single, whether it's whatever. We're talking nonstop. We have information at hand split second after it happens. The thing that I hate the most is when I don't own a guy, then reading everyone's messages of who owns him and who has VC'd him. And that makes me sick, mate. And then I've got to put up with that crap for the rest of the weekend. And then I'm sitting there going, oh, and you know that you are a 50-50 call. Like you think about the Dacos Young decision last year. It was a 50-50 call, okay? If you go young, you got to put up with the crap for the rest of the weekend and until you get Dacos in your team because you're going to hear about it in every group chat, in every tweet, in every every live stream, every podcast, (laughs) everything. You just keep hearing the same guy. So your enjoyment levels of playing fantasy, whether it's super coach, whether it's fantasy, whether it's dream team, gone. (laughs) At least with keepers, you can only own him once yeah there's only one person that owns him and you don't have to listen to the crap because there's only one person that's spewing the crap yeah whereas everyone else when it's a high ownership 70 percent, everyone's on and you think wow am i the only person in this whole world that doesn't own dacos and am i the only stupid one (laughs) like (laughs) it can very much feel that way if you if you choose to start nick dacos Rids has given us a really nice pathway of why and how you can do that. And you've uh, going, uh, uh, MJ, but, I didn't go to the why yet or okay. the how. Let's right. I want to get to that. explain the how. All right, let's go there. How do we get Dacos outside of picking him and going D1 done? What's the strategic way we can do it, knowing we have to navigate our way through round four and also round five with the buy? Okay, think of it like this. And I'm just going to throw names because that way then people can see the example. Put Dacos as your D1 right now, okay? Done. Throw a Daniel Curtin, whether it's Util, whether it's M11, whatever format you're playing, put him there. Make sure you have a Sharp or a Sanders at M9, okay? When his buy comes in, swap Dacos into the midfield and bring that M9 onto the field at M8. And that's oh. who's covering you for your day cost buy. And it's a best 18, MJ. So you only really need one of the popular rookies to be covering. But that's the way it gets done, okay? So that is as simple as I can say it. Like, yeah. I can't... Unless you give me your login and I do it in your team yourself, which I don't recommend because, you know what... You're going to own like whoever. They, you'll go, why is Matt Flynn my R1 and not Gorn? <laughs> that's why, because you've given me my, your logins. But that's how you do it, okay, MJ? 100%. It's protecting and beautifully articulated where, yeah, you go, nobody's D1, it's fine. Okay, well, you're putting a, a Toby Pink or a Gibkus potentially coming on the field. Now we're talking about a potential 100-point swing in that one position, whereas, as Rids mentioned, it could be a Sharp, it could be a McKercher, it could be um, a Sanders. 
it, it might only be a 50 or 60 point swing um, that you might see. And again, it might not even be that much in a best 18. I, I think with him, Rids, it's fascinating is both sides of the Dacos coin feel really valid and also feel equally nervous with their decision. I think people that have got him go, yes, I've got him. I know it's going to be great. I've got those early VC options. I know I've just locked away the, uh, as Chizo shared with us a few days ago on the 50 most relevant, this security blanket, I've got Dacos and the price doesn't matter, quote unquote, because I now own him. And unless I move out of him by a trade, I might be losing some team value, but I own the player. So that feels secure and safe for me. They're looking at round four with nervousness because as you mentioned, Finn McGuinness is, if he's fit and healthy, he's on the plane to Adelaide to that match for Gather Round. And it's the worst matchup possible, not just because of Finn, it's the last game of the round. And so if you are using a Daniel Curtin to flip things around, it gets challenging because Curtin and the Crows are early in Gather Round. So that creates this pain point. So even though you're an owner, you are watching it going, I know, even though I've got a 130 here and a 115 there, and it's okay this pain point two to three weeks is coming. Whereas if you don't start him, you're watching opening round, round one, round two, round three, incredibly nervously because you are banking on a variable to happen at round four. And if that doesn't happen, boy, oh boy, it does feel like that first month and the plans you've made for the year are really painful. So you, you're needing that McGuinness tag to come. You're needing that constriction to come through Port Adelaide's round six. And you're hoping that that by round management of round five kind of helps you because both sides so, of the coin feel nervous and excited at the same time. Let's clear this up though, MJ. If you own him, he's going to be on your field. Don't ever try 100%. and be tricky and cute with this he's on your field Without if you question. if you're looking to try and loop him off your field just to avoid finn mcginnis you're doing it wrong okay so if you own him he's on your field he's at d1 on round four and you just hope for hell that finn doesn't either go to him goes to someone else through the game or you know and or Dacos is just has one of those moments where he pops a hundred, like, and he can do that. He's a good player, mate. So yeah, so I wouldn't be trying to get too cute with this with round four because it's only one score and it won't make a huge impact outside of cash gained, cash lost. How to get him in from other avenues? So one last question before we wrap up the episode. We talk. Oh, about we're not going to wrap it up yet because I've got I a lot know. of stats. So we're going to go a little bit further. Give me okay? a stats blurb quickly, and then I want to ask you one last question. I mentioned Tay Adams and Chris before. Okay, let's look at stoppage and transitions. So Chris last year he was seventh for tran- um, stoppage points percentage market share for the yep. pies. He was behind Cameron. Jordan, I know that's a weird one that Cameron's won, but generally rucks do fall that way because yep. they're always at the stoppage. Right. Um, Jordan Degoe was number two. Titch was number three. Pendles was number four. Dacos was number five. Straight away you go, okay, so that's a little bit of an avenue of where he could actually increase. If he's going to spend more time in the midfield, obviously the stoppage points will increase because he's not on the outside of half back. Okay. Hmm. But Tay Adams and Crisp were the next two. So straight away, not only does he have avenues to go up, if he's in that role, 
He's also got a couple of guys directly below him that he's got a little bit of market share that he can pinch from, okay? So that's the first thing. And I know people will go, oh, yeah, but no, the thing is he only averaged 45.5 stoppage points a game last year. So there is avenues of improvement there, and that's going to come with more midfield time that you just talked about. Halfback time last what year, he had 66.3 average transition points a game. Now, that seems like a lot, but it's really not. He was number two at the Pies. He was actually behind Noble. Noble mm. had the highest transition points. But you look at these names, okay, and see if you can pick up a um, trend. I'm going to name the top five in transition points for the Pies last year. Noble, Dacos, Maynard, Quainar, and Darcy Moore. What are they? What do they have in common? All defenders. Yeah. So you're starting to see, yeah. So I'll look at the names of the stoppage. DC, Jordan Degoe, Tom Mitchell, Scott Pendlebury, Nick Dacos, or mids, yeah. So you can see the trends. The defenders are getting the larger chunks of the transition points in their average per season. The mids are getting more stoppage points. And that's why we're saying if it levels up to 50-50 splits, perfect, yeah? Yeah. But the thing with Dacos is he's always going to have a slightly in favour transition points from my gut feel because they want to get it to him in open space a lot more, no matter where he's playing, whether it's the wing, half back, half forward, whether he's spread into uh, space. They always want the ball in his hands because of his delivery and his decision-making. That's where he's going to get better, mate. I believe Chris, going back to halfback, is going to increase his transition points. And he was number 10 last, He was number 10th in the pies last year. Mm. He's going to start pushing up into those Maynard, Quaynor areas because that's what Jack Crisp does, yeah? Yeah. He's also going to fall all in stoppage, though, because he's not going to be at the coalface as much to get that points like a percentage of his actual average points. So that's where it's going to be. So it's going to be a direct correlation between Crisp and Dacos and then a little bit of extra share from the Tay Adams missing to a Finn uh, McRae and uh, Dacos, if Dacos is going into mids more. So that's, that's the narrative I get from those stoppage numbers and those transition numbers. And I hope that clears it up. And you can use that everywhere, super coach, whatever. It just means he's going to be around the ball more if he's in that midfield role. And we'll see the stoppage numbers going up. That's all it is. And the transition to come down and vice versa. Crisp will go the other direction when he's across half back more and less in the midfield. Um, And can I just shout out here? I've Mm. said it all the time. But Jaden Popowski and Rowan out at Market Share and Mort, who's um, helping Australia. out. Yep. These guys are the stars of preseason 24, mate. They are absolutely everywhere, trying to better the use of stats, the understanding, um, trying to get the conversations around what is actually meaningful. Yeah, they've, they've done a phenomenal job and, and absolutely, we've said it a few times through this series, um, if you've got the opportunity to use one of their buy me a coffee links, it's worth every single dollar and dozens of dollars you can kick their way just to support them for what they've done for the community, as Rid said, is articulating 
data and putting narrative alongside it and eliminating just preconceived myths that have been out there and or backing up stories that we haven't had the data or the knowledge of data to be able to do. I agree, mate. They've done a phenomenal job. And the job. CBAs were all we had. We mentioned it the other day. That's all we had only four years ago. Imagine where this is going to go in the next four years. Yeah, it's crazy. When Jaden Papowski gets to my age, which oh my is, uh, he's that's another half a century away. Yeah, he's got a bit of lifetime left. Yeah, so he's going to make massive inroads to everything in Australian fantasy, not just fantasy community, but everything stats-wise as we move forward, okay, into the new generation. 100%. Nick Dacos, I think he's the most relevant player because if you start him, there's some risk attached to it but there's a lot of upside attached to it. Nick Dacos, if you choose to go against him in your starting squad, there's some risk attached to it and there's some potential upside attached to it. But all I know is this, when it gets to the end of that first buy for Collingwood, owners will be happy they've got him. Non-owners will be scrambling away to make it their number one trade in priority even at an inflated price point, if he comes out and does what he has done over the past few games is that 65% CBA or above scoring where he's up at that 120 plus scoring across uh, in super coach and high one teens in AFL fantasy. If he does that, he holds his price point and you're now getting a guy that's taking a season away from you or a heavily discounted guy who's got some injury, not injury interrupted, but discounted games due to a tag. Boy, oh boy, is Nick Dacos relevant? And I think both sides of the conversation, you've done a great job for us today, Rids, giving us both the ways to start and the ways to fade Nick Dacos. Before we wrap up the episode, got to talk about drafts. He's got to be someone's first defender off the board, no doubt. And, and Rids across the formats, probably one of only a couple of players that you could feel justified in saying is in the contention for the number one pick. Okay, long story short, MJ, I'm not going to beat around the bush. If you're not in the first three picks of a draft, just forget Nick Dacos, okay, because yeah, no he's opening. gone. Yep, 100%. It, it, he's a top yep. three pick. So don't even um, worry about where he falls. Yep. He's gone. He Just yep. wave goodbye. If you get pick four, pick five, doesn't matter. No, he, and if you trade of out of – if you get a top three pick and you're trading out of that – you need your head red, yeah, if you got because you could potentially have the Nick Day cost lottery. Yeah, which could be absolutely incredible. Hey, mate, it's been an absolute privilege doing this series, not just with you, uh, but with a whole ton of people during this preseason. So thank you so much, mate. How good was it this year, mate? This is our best year ever, I think. You, you've been on fire. We've had more people coming on. We've had people like Jaden coming on. We've introduced Vams to the 50 most relevant on multiple occasions. We've even had someone like DC pop in from the Hat Chat. We've had the SC group. I'm going to miss people, and I apologise if I do. Pigmentality. Like, what a year, mate. Some of the greatest discussions I've ever been involved with, and that's saying something because I've been around for a I don't know, quarter of a century now. And this has been awesome. 
Yeah, it's been awesome. A big thank you uh, to Vans, to DC, uh, to Stevie Fizz, to Jaden, uh, to Cheezo, to Bales, to Pig Mentality, to The Phantom, uh, to Damo, who's also jumped on. We had Tim Mitchell jump in. We had Hef from the Keeper League podcast slide in. We introduced you to Mitch Casey uh, from the AFL Fantasy Ball Boys. Uh, DR and the great guys uh, he is, JD, has also jumped on. Uh, Vam, who you mentioned earlier. And then there's the coaches panel regulars. There's Kane, there's Mini Monk, there's Louie, there's Jordox and yourself. I think I got through every person that appeared on the 50. I'll tell you what though, MJ, just as a last note, a huge thank you to you, but more importantly, a huge thank you to your family for allowing us the possibility to have your time for extended period of times. And if you, I'm, I'd never do this, okay? But there was a JD um, interview with Holmesy the other day. If you haven't listened to it yet, go and have a listen to because there's been a bit of bad press around the place. The guy knows his stuff and it's time to go in and have a listen and try and see if we can get some more learnings around the place. But have a great season, everyone. And I've got no doubt you're going to hear from me soon. Plenty of stuff every single day between now and the end of the preseason. There's still fresh content dropping every single day over on our YouTube channel. There's podcasts rolling all the time as well. We start turning the wheels ever so quickly towards strategy and moving away from player analysis to strategy of how we play this game. We start getting club versus club matches and start to see some stuff. And then opening round will be upon us. And I feel like that's going to be a game changing couple of matches that will really define how we go into round one. If you've watched any of these episodes of the 50 most relevant, thank you so much for doing it. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, it's not too late. You can still jump over and do that and turn those notifications on. If you've been listening to these audio podcasts, thanks so much for doing that, sharing it with your friends and family that play fantasy footy. If you haven't given it a five-star rating or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, we'd encourage you to do that and if you want to keep in touch with us right throughout this preseason you can find all the links for our social media in the description of this episode as well as our opportunity for you getting involved in our patreon where you'll get bonus content hidden group conversations our rookie guide that will be coming way too fast than i care to admit and a bunch of other in-season rewards all the details to join the Patreon are in the description of this episode. Hey, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being a part of the 50 most relevant. If it wasn't for you listening and watching, it'd just be two people talking to themselves. So thank you for your support of the coaches panel and the 50 most relevant. We'll be back very soon with more content to get you through this 2024 preseason.